welcome back to the Cherry Picking Podcast. My name is Donnie, and you all thought this was going to be Ziggy, right? Well, you all thought wrong, because Dylan and Ziggy are not here today, and I'm actually joined by a very special friend of mine who we'll introduce in a minute, but what we're doing today is called a mini-episode, A, because we don't have a regular name for it just yet, and B, it's a mini-episode because they're not going to be uh, full hour-long episodes, they're going to be shorter, maybe around 20 to 30 minutes. And we're going to be doing these, you know, every now and then when there are things that we don't get to on our bigger episodes or when there are simply things that we can't wait to talk about like today. So as I mentioned, today I am joined by Lucian Kish, who is a very special friend of mine who I've known for a couple of years now. And he is also the proud owner of his own blog called The Baseball Whisper. And we're going to be getting into the nitty gritty and details that have emerged about the MLB's latest proposal that they will be bringing to their players on the on the potential start of the 2020 season and how that could affect the wallets of players everywhere. Spoiler, the players are not happy about it. Plus, the 2020 MLB draft got reduced from 40 rounds to 5 rounds. That's a whole lot of rounds. What's the deal with that? What's going on there? Solution, thanks for coming on. The MLB owners have approved a proposal for the start of the 2020 season in which there will be a 50-50 revenue split for the season, an 82-game season, which could you know, actually range from anywhere from 78 to 82 games, a mid-June spring training, shout out Trevor Plouffe, um, he was actually right about all that, and an opening day of around July 1st, an expanded playoff of 14 teams compared to the usual 10. Uh, games played in as many home stadiums as possible. Personally, I don't know if that's going to be possible in New York City to start or Toronto. A universal DH, so a, a DH in the American and National League. Games only against divisional opponents and against regional opponents. So, for instance, the AL West would only play the would play the NL West and every other team in the AL West. Expanded rosters from 26 to as many as 30 active players, uh, with a 20-man taxi of minor league players and prospects and no fans of the stadium to begin the season. So, Lucian, when you hear all that, how do you react to it? Overall, I want baseball to happen this season. Um, that'd be my ideal world. So I think um, anything to make that happen would be great. Um, I think there are a bunch of drawbacks with this plan, though, obviously. I think revenue sharing um, is the big one. I don't think the players are going to be on board with that. I think they want to be compensated at least close to what they would have been uh, under normal circumstances. Um, and I think that's going to be a hard sell. And I think they should be compensated um, at least somewhat close to what they would have normally been. Um, but um, so that's the biggest drawback there. Um, but I think overall, like this plan seems relatively reasonable, assuming that um, there are enough tests to make things happen and that um, like the health guidelines um, say that it's okay to actually start the season. But um, we know this season is going to be a bit of an anomaly and that things are going to be a bit messed up compared to normal. And I think at this point, like, we're not going to have like the typical season. So I think having this weird structure and these weird divisions and all that is fine. If that means we're going to have some sort of season. Right. And I don't think, you know, that as you or me both know, I don't think anyone is going to be upset about how long the season is, who these players are playing. Um, if there's any different rules, you know, even though the universal DH might upset a lot of players. Um, I don't think anyone really cares about that. I think they just want to play, but I definitely do think they care about the money. So, and that's the biggest thing here. There's going to be a huge, um, as Jeff Passan has been saying this week for baseball, it's going to suck. Like this is, this is not going to be a good week for the owners and the players. Tony, I can't, I can't remember his name, but the, the MLB president association, uh, like leader, he's basically, he's one of the most stubborn guys on the face of the earth. Um, and he's going to fight the owners to the death on this. So, but yeah, with money, um, the players already agreed to prorate their salaries 
at about 50.6% of what their expected 2020 salary was going to be. And they were expecting, and that number um, from what they was, from what they were told was going to be with fans in the stands. So now that fans aren't going to be in the stands and that's where, you know, most of the revenue comes from for all of the teams, uh, local revenue accounts for 40% of teams incoming cash or cut. So, I mean, no fans in the stadium means a lot less money. And the owners, when they gave the players this this initial proposal in March to prorate their salaries, they, in writing, believed that if there weren't going to be any players, any fans in the stands, excuse me, um, that they could ask the players to prorate their salaries even more. And the players don't see it as that way. They vehemently disagree. Um, but, yeah, Lucian, do you think that the players should kind of just bite the bullet here and, you know, take whatever money that they're going to get, even though there's a surprisingly amount of players that actually live paycheck to paycheck, especially if you're coming in at like a minimum. Um, but yeah, do you think that they should kind of just bite the bullet here and take the money? I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough one. I think that if I'm a, if I'm a player, I do want to get compensated as much as I possibly can. Um, Cause this, these are so like, this is what I, the contract I signed. And, um, Obviously, revenue from tickets is huge, and that is a big uh, cut. These owners also are incredibly wealthy and do have the money. I think the most interesting thing is that there are going to be some ripple effects from this. Like, um, for example, the CBA is up after this season. Right. So they're going to have yeah. to renegotiate next year. So any tension that comes from this might carry over. And I think players want to play this year. They definitely want to play next year, too, if they can't play this year. So I think ultimately the players might be forced to kind of bite the bullet on this one. Um, um, just, just because they don't want to miss the full season, but I don't think they're going to go down easily. Um, I think they want to be compensated as much as they can, and I think they should. Um, it's always tough when you're talking about guys who are making millions of dollars versus right, people yeah. who are really struggling to get by, but it's like a millionaires versus billionaires thing, and the owners are so much more, more wealthy, and the players are making them a lot of money, so I think overall, like, those guys should be compensated. Um, I think also, like, you have to look at minor leaguers, too, who I think mm -hmm. are there's unlikely going to be a minor league season, but those guys are going to need to get paid as well. And even under normal circumstances, they don't really make a living wage. Right, so yeah. um, that's another factor, I guess, to take into account. But I, th I, th I do think the players are I, – I think ultimately they probably will have to make some concessions if they want to play this season. But, um, I mean, who knows? Like, it's, I know some players have voiced that they, don't, that they might not want to play at all based on just health concerns and also, like, if they're not going to get paid to a certain extent. Like, I definitely could see a scenario where there's no season – um, at all. Yeah. So I think it's, a, I think it's tough to say. Um, but yeah, if I'm a player, I'm going to be fighting pretty hard to get my, um, the world would promise me. Right. And like you said, it's, you know, it's a hard conversation to have because it's a millionaires versus billionaires type of thing. Um, but the owners are in baseball a lot more, a lot longer than these players are. Um, when you think about it, given that, you know, they already have private businesses that they own, um, that, you know, they might've created and then they try to you know, buy a baseball team or whatever. But yeah, the players are definitely not going to go down easy. An, an example from, you know, before you and me were both born is 1994. Um, the the owners and the MLB and the higher-ups in the MLB tried to implement a salary cap in the 1994 season and the players and the Players Association um, completely fought them on that. And the ending result was players went on strike um, because they didn't want a salary cap and there was no rest of the season. There was no World Series. Huge ramifications on baseball. 
And ever since then, there has been no salary cap, even with, you know, the new CBAs every now and then. And now Tony Clark, that's his name, the executive director of the MLBPA, he, you know, had this some sort of response to Rob Manfred when he told the Athletic. He said, a system that restricts players' pay based on revenues is a salary cap period. This is not the first salary cap proposal uh, our union has received. It probably won't be the, be the last that the league is trying to take advantage of a global health crisis to get what they failed to achieve in the past and to anom- anonymously negotiate through the media for the last several days suggest they know exactly how this will be received. None of this is beneficial to the process of finding a way for us to safely get back on the field and resume the 2020 season, which continues to be our sole focus. And, you know, as I just said before that, that is some sort of scathing response to Rob Manfred and everybody else. So, you know, no one side is going to win here. They're going to have to, you know, meet in the middle for some sort of, I don't know if it's going to be a revenue split, but it's going to be bad for the players um, still because last year the the revenues for MLB were found to be around $10.7 billion. And after a bunch of math that, you know, Jeff Passan did, and I'm reading this article, um, if there's a 50-50 split, and, and then there's a situation where we get playoffs in, extended playoffs, they would only, the, the MLB would really only be bringing in around 4.8, 2.4 to $4.8 billion, which is so much less than 10.7. So the players, like you said, might have to take um, some sort of cap here, but what it's going to be leaves everybody, that, that that's a huge question that we don't know the answer to yet. Yeah, absolutely. And I think another thing, that is on probably on the players' minds is they're going to, like, free agency this year is going to be really hard on them. Um, a lot of these players were expecting to go into the market last year, bounce back quite a bit from what it had been, at least the top of the market. So um, this year, like, owners, like, in the past, there have been years where it's, like, you really don't have enough money to pay these guys. Like, come on, like, you guys are billionaires. Like, you should be able to give these guys more. This year, like, they might actually not really be able to. They might actually be strapped for cash without this revenue. So right. the, play- the players make less this year. That's one thing. And then also going into this offseason, like, these new contracts is going to really hurt what they're going to make going forward. So it definitely crushes the economy of baseball for the players a lot. Um, it's a significant hit for them uh, with all these things combined. Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite players on my favorite team, the Yankees, I want the Yankees to extend DJ LeMahieu so badly because his contract is up after whatever the next season is going to be. Um, and, you know, he deserves a lot more money than I think he signed like for two years, $12 million which is completely ridiculous for the season that he had last year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a lot of these players aren't, aren't going to be getting the money that they deserve. And, you know, like we said, oh, so what? You're not going to be getting paid $5 million. You're only going to be getting paid $3 million. And that might be for, you know, worst-case scenario for a contract. But, you know, that like it's still not good for those players. And anything with a salary cap really frightens these players because there's such a mistrust between the union and the MLB that, you know, the, the slightest sort of reasoning for a salary cap coming up, uh, the players completely back off and they put up this wall of like, no, 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 we're not going to do this. And even so, and, and you know, they're, the biggest thing here, it's health. It's always going to be health. Baseball is, you know, we, we both love baseball. But baseball is, is a disgusting sport in terms of the amount of spitting, uh, the amount of sunflower seeds and dugouts. It's, it's, a, it's a nasty sport, right? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. we, we, we will love it, but it's nasty. And if there's to be a second wave of the virus, you know, let's say in the fall or whatever, when the postseason might happen, um, even with a shorter season, all the money that the MLB would maybe get from postseason TV money, which is around, let's say like 5 billion, maybe, or they would keep, that would be like the number of the, the amount of revenue that the MLB would get would stay at 5 billion with postseason money, which helps. But the cancellation of postseason baseball and postseason and, and 
fans watching on TV would, it says here, that would crater the cancellation of playoff money and leave the players with less in their prorated share, even if, you know, they don't take less money. Which yeah. is, yeah. No, I mean, absolutely. Like, that's, that's 100% an issue. I think health is huge. Um, and also, you have to acknowledge, like, a lot of these umpires, much older, a lot of coaching on the coaching staff are a lot older, so they're the at-risk group. And certain players have pre-existing conditions that also put them more at risk, too. So, um, as, like, all the stuff with the players themselves, a lot of these players, even with all, like, the little disgusting things in baseball, like, are healthy young men who likely, likely would be okay, um, we think. We don't even know that for sure, obviously. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, what's – more than others. Like, like, what happens if Trey Mantini comes back? You yeah, know, Trey, Trey Mantini is recovering from – he still has cancer, right? And, and he's, yeah. he's, he's, going, he's going through the shit right now. He's going through the ringer with all that. So, I mean, there's a lot of players out there as – I don't know if you saw Sean Doolittle's Twitter thread. A lot of players are – you know, they, they want to play, right? A lot of reporters, they want to go to these games and, and report these games. They don't want there to be any more, you know, furloughs um, and salary reductions. But d- – are people are these players going to want to play is another huge question that we don't know the answer to absolutely and i think i think another thing is like will they make if the season happens will they make it mandatory like can someone say like oh like i'm not i'm going to choose not to report because i think it's my best interest in my health and i want to be with my family and i don't want right. to do this crazy shortened season that might be jeopardizing my own health are the owners going to say well no you have to play wrapping this season or are they going to say you don't have to and then also if like some players don't show like how do we view legitimacy of this season like do we view it even as less of like a real season if like some players particularly if prominent players decide that they're not going to play so that's another factor too that will really i think if a lot of players indicate that they're not going to play because of health reasons regardless of whatever negotiations happen like i think that puts a um i mean i think that makes a season um very unlikely to happen so that's another thing to monitor yeah i mean i don't know like there's there's so many things that could happen here there's firings furloughs uh, revenues go down the dumps. Um, agents, you know, get fired, all this stuff. Free agent market crashes. Um, but I want to ask you like one last question here before we move on to the draft, because that's also connected yeah. to all this. Um, if there was a side that I don't think either side is really going to yield. Pers- I mean, one side might have to yield in order for them to meet at a 50-50, um, meet in the middle here um, for whatever they want money-wise to play baseball. But do you what what if one side was to yield, what side do you think it would be first? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, absolutely. I mean, the owners obviously are in a position of uh, much more power, um, so that's that's definitely one thing. Um, but I think also at the same time, like if the players are really being tough about this, like I could see the owners totally like backing away and saying like, "Well, we're not going to have a season if you're not going to take take this." So. Right. Um, I, 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 in a kind, way, of, I kinda, kind of opposite of what 94 would be, essentially. Yeah, in a way, I kind of feel like that's almost the mo- more likely scenario um, to a certain extent, because I think the owners I think the owners are the ones who are a bit more um, determined to get, like, their side of things done in terms of revenue and money. I think they, um, I think, so I think that in that case, that'd be, that would happen. Um, but I think it's really tough to say. I think it could go either way. And as I said before, like, hopefully there's going to be a season, like, we all want there to be some sort of season. So hopefully everyone can come to some sort of, Agreement and also like hopefully that agreement is a fair one that benefits the players. I would I would be disappointed to see. I just want baseball, but I'd be disappointed to see one where the players lose that big time. Yeah, um, I mean everyone's kind of being naive. Everyone's kind of being hopeful. Um, so we'll try. To, well, we're we're recording as of um, May twelfth. So you know we'll see what happens after this weekend. Um, 
I don't think there's going to be a deal done anytime soon, just because everyone is so damn stubborn in this sport. Um, but yeah, moving on. Uh, the something also involved, not you know, maybe not as important, I guess, but but everything has been involved with uh, the coronavirus in baseball within the past two weeks, I'd say. Um, the 2020 MLB draft will be held on June 10th and 11th, but the big news is that it's going to be only five rounds. And if you were to ask me, you know. Oh Donovan, like, how long is the MLB, how long is the MLB draft usually? And I would have to tell you it's forty rounds. So they're cutting thirty-five rounds uh, because, you know, the the owners want to save money. Um, but yeah, how do how do you feel about this draft getting cut thirty-five rounds only to be five? That's so. Ridiculous. Well, I think that it's going to actually, unfortunately, be something that's kind of going to uh, continue into the future, at least to a certain extent. I know the owners had wanted to cut the draft. Um, as a means of saving revenue uh, for themselves for a while. And I think this was a good opportunity to kind of uh, make that happen. Um, so I think that like a big motivation of it was the owners um, kind of being cheap here to a certain extent. Um, I think I understand shortening the draft to a certain extent this year, just because there is, um, there was much less, less of an opportunity for scouting. Like the college season right. had barely started. A lot of high schools hadn't started, particularly in uh, cold weather states. Um, so it's tough. I, I think it's a, a bummer that the draft can be shortened. Um, there's really no, I can't really take away any real positive from it. Um, there will still be a lot of undrafted free agents that will be signed. Um, but the cap on what it can be, I'm, I'm not sure if I remember exactly, but I forget whatever it was. It was a pretty 20,000, 20,000. Yeah. yeah. So pretty insignificant bonuses. Like normally guys drafted in like the sixth or seventh round are going to make a lot more than that. So, right. Um, I think also there's a lot of ramifications, obviously for the next couple drafts. Um, I think a lot of high school players that maybe were going to go to the draft, are now maybe going to stay going to college or something like that. Um, I think also like, and same with guys who are like um, juniors, maybe stay for their senior year in college, things like that. So the draft pool I think will be weakened and we'll see that I think really strong draft the next two years. The other thing that I think is interesting is like a guy like, for example, if you know of Carter Short, uh, who last year. I do not was, know of Carter Short, but. Carter, yeah, Carter Short, two, I think two years ago, he was picked like, I think in the top 10 by the Braves. Um, and he had some issue with his medical, so he didn't end up signing. Um, with them and instead he I think last, he was going to maybe re-enter the draft last year after like a year and um I forget exactly what he was doing but he was like, was like, did you go like, like a yeah he went like juco okay I think it was a juco or something like that but I think he actually ended up deciding to instead of going to the draft because he wasn't having a great year and his yeah. stock was kind of falling he signed um in Japan so he's playing okay. in the MPB in Japan right now and I think he's and he has a contract I forget exactly how long it is and then he's going to try to go go from there to the majors um whenever his contract's up in a few years from now so I think that's also a route where we could see other players potentially take is maybe trying to play in like Japan or Korea or something like right. that um, where they can make money now. Kind of like you're seeing if you follow basketball with these players mm-hmm, going to definitely. these other international leagues. I think we could see that kind of happen as a result of this too. No, I definitely feel the same way. I kind of wish Ziggy was on because he was talking about that a few weeks ago. Um, but yeah, so, so as Lucian was saying, all teams after these five rounds and all teams can sign an unlimited number of undrafted players for max bonus of only $20,000. You're like, oh my God, only $20,000 to sign with, you know, whatever team I want to sign with. I definitely take that. But, you know, there's the other route. You go to college for free, right? And in a regular 40-round draft, um, a lot of guys in the sixth, seventh round, like Lucian said, are getting, you know, signing bonuses of a lot more than $20,000. And, you know, there are guys in the minor leagues who will sign their contract, but they're basically living off their bonus. And these guys would kind of only be living off of $20,000 off of one contract. Um, but yeah, I think 
personally, I, I always thought the draft was kind of too long. I thought 40 rounds is kind of ridiculous. Um, it's just like, why are you 40 rounds? Wild. Like it, it feels like yeah. those final, I feel, I feel like those, it feels like those final 10 rounds are kind of just, you know, you draft a kid and you're like, Oh, I, I know you're not going to come here. I just drafted you. So I didn't have to wait the extra five minutes to choose who I actually wanted to draft, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, it, I, next round is next year. The 2021 draft is, uh, guaranteed to definitely be 20 rounds for future purposes. I think 20 rounds, 20 to 30 rounds is maybe a good spot just because there's so many players on the baseball field and there's so many minor league systems um, that you kind of need to retool every year and redraft guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the big disappointment here is for the players, the guys yeah, who were can. hoping to leave high school and get drafted or, you know, leave after their junior year of college and get drafted. Um, D1 schools only have 11.7 scholarships to give out every year. There are nine players on a baseball field at once. And then you have your bench and your bullpen. And so that's, that's a ton of guys that are, A, coming back, or guys that are going to college that were not expected to go to college in the first place. Um, and, you know, in the long run, we'll be getting more than $20,000 in four years. Um, you know, we've seen it. Jacob DeGrom was a ninth-round pick. Jacob yeah. DeGrom wouldn't have gotten picked this year, probably would not have gotten picked this year. Paul Goldschmidt, I forgot what round he got drafted in, but it was after five. He also probably wouldn't have gotten picked this year. Um, Paul Goldschmidt, MVP candidate for the past few years. Jacob DeGrom is arguably the best pitcher in baseball. What happens if those guys go back to college and they get cut, right? What are they going to do? Do they leave baseball and they – you know, go try to become a lawyer or something like then we lose then, then we lose the prospect of having Jacob deGrom on our TV. And I know that's, you know, there's talent everywhere, um, but just, it, it just sucks for these players. Um, Juco baseball is going to get be loaded. Yeah. Juco baseball. And that is kind of a fun thing to think about. Um, just given the fact that Juco baseball uh, compared to D1 baseball, it's a lot. It can be a better alternative in this instance um, because, because some of these guys, you know, the next Jacob DeGrom or something, whatever, um, can go to JUCO for a year or two. And then if the draft is loaded when he wants to get drafted, he can just go to a D1 program um, after that. Or, you know, these guys go over to Japan. I think that'd be freaking cool. Some of these guys yeah. go, over, go over to Japan or Korea or something, and, and then they can sign or something. I, do you know the answer to that? Would they be, they would be posted, right? After their tenure, I, or would they? Or, they'd be posted after. Yeah, they'd be posted. I think after, after their like their whatever their initial deal is. I'm not. I don't know the exact details. Um, okay. sort of I also know like in Korea, um, there's a limit on number of international players you can have, and I think that's true in the other leagues as well. So there, there'd be a certain cap on that, but um, it's an option for sure. Um, I think just also just going off what you're saying, like yeah, like you go back. Baseball is going to be pretty stacked this year, and so is just regular college baseball. This might be the best. Next year might be the best college baseball season ever. Exactly. Maybe. Yeah. They're going to have all these seniors and all these freshmen. A lot of these freshmen are really talented, I think. Or maybe we'll probably get squeezed out of spots. The seniors might, too. Um, it all depends on the team. So, yeah, yeah. like, I guess if, if you're a fan of college baseball or some, or Juco baseball, like, I guess this is, like, I guess that's the silver it's kinda lining. It's kind of cool. Here. It's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's cool for the fans because, you know, um, with no live sports on TV, it's actually funny. I've been watching a lot of old, like, college baseball and college softball for, like, the College World Series or something, um, which is cool. I, I saw uh, – Whit Merrifield got like the walk-off hit for South Carolina in like the 2010 College World Series. I knew that happened. I just didn't know it was Whit Merrifield. Justin Wilson, who pitched for both of 
our favorite MLB teams. Um, I don't know if he might still be on the Mets. I'm not sure. Um, um, yeah, yeah. But uh, he was pitching in the College World Series last night um, from like 2014 or something, which was cool. Um, so yeah, it's going to be cool for if you're a fan of college baseball. It's going to suck for these coaches. Um, yeah, they're going to have to cut a bunch of these kids that you know are either coming back and they have relationships with, or they're going to you know there's going to be these they're going to have to tell these families of players, hey, with my roster right now, your kid's not good enough. And that's going to be, that's going to not be fun to hear. Um, there's, I mean, also with the coronavirus stuff, unrelated to the draft, there's also the, the threat of no money kind of going into these college baseball programs. Mm-hmm. A lot of the money comes from college football programs and March Madness, like college basketball, women's college basketball, that then gets spread out to the rest of um, college sports on a campus. So we might see some situations. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to happen a lot in D1, maybe more in D2, D3, or even JUCO. Um, I doubt it in JUCO, though, because there's not much money there anyways. Um, but teams can either get cut altogether or they lose scholarships, you know, and that's going to suck even more for some of these players. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, uh, that, that's about it. Uh, thank you, Lucian, for coming on. I don't know if you want to plug your – your uh, your your blog or anything like that or explain uh, what what's your blog about like how did you start with it sure, yeah um well so yeah thanks again for having me on uh this is fun um yeah so my blog is uh called baseball whisper um so um kind of a bunch of different things um mostly just a place where i uh read about baseball uh different thoughts about different things uh when i can it's tough balancing school and that um right, together yeah. so when i have time so um i guess the two biggest things about my blog is uh, one thing I've done in the past is this uh, thing called Blash, which is a system I've created. Uh, mathematical accuracies. <laughs> well, well, I, don't, I don't know how, how perfect it is, but um, it's, it basically projects minor league players uh, based on just their stat line. Uh, that includes things like age um, and stuff like that as well. So not just like numbers, but uh, not using any, there's no bias or any mm-hmm. um, like scouting involved. So that's just like a, it's not perfect, but it's some sort of tool. I think it's cool to evaluate players. So, I've done a bunch of stuff with that and probably a bit more of that will be coming out soon. And then the other thing is over the last month, um, I was releasing a ranking of the top 300 baseball players of all time, in my opinion, um, writing about 10, about 10 players each day. So if anyone wants to check that out and see uh, who I think is in the top 300, uh, yeah, just head over Baseball Whisper uh, blog. Um, but yeah, that's all. But thanks again for having me. This is, this is great. Go check out all of Lucian's thoughts and more over at BaseballWhisperBlog.com. It's always a fun read over there. That is going to do it for today's episode of Cherry Picking. Mini episode of Cherry Picking, might I add. We're going to have a a name for these types of episodes soon. I promise we're still working on some things over here. For Lucian, my name is Donnie. Go follow us on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Cherry Picking. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.